our podcast this week it's time for the Refinerendum as the Neon Demon director Nicholas Winding Refn and his star Elle Fanning drop by for the most important interview of our lifetime plus the usual movie news and nonsense on the podcast is preparing to say goodbye to one of its own hello pod I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the Empire podcast uh, as ever I'm joined by three colleagues of such lethal cunning this week Helen O'Hara howdy Johnny Pyle hello mate and Dan Jolin. Greetings. Now, you may have noticed I've spared them all a pithy intro, and Helen I went to Glastonbury last week. I mean, talk about a fish out of water. I mean, and I, <laughs> I, I can't even make a joke about that because uh, we're flipping the format this week. We're flipping it a little bit. Right. Um, questions will come at the end, and uh, also because we're hurting. We're hurting, which is why I didn't do the pithy intros this week because this is Dan Jolin's last podcast as a staffer here at Empire. <laughs> Uh, because after a decade of glorious service aboard the good ship Empire, he's buggering off in search of pastures new. But don't worry, we're going to send Dan off with the dignitas, the dignity he deserves. <laughs> yeah, you're leaving, man. Yeah, and it's actually 12 years. 12, I know, I said more than a decade. <laughs> 12 years. I'm not ashamed. 12, 12 years. There 12 you go. glorious years. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get into it all, Dan, later on. We've got a lot of questions for you from readers. Um, got, we've got a stream of people coming in to give heartfelt testimonials. It'll all be really rather emotional and lovely. Who's coming in? What? Uh, a stream of people. A stream? Star guests. Okay. I've, I've arranged big names. Big. Big A-list names. Top, top, top men. Top men. <laughs> no one's coming in, Dan. Oh, oh, okay. No one's coming in. All right. Um, well, Johnny's here. Johnny's here. I'm here. He's a big name. Johnny's <laughs> Johnny, Johnny's a big name. Johnny Pyle is a big name. That's one syllable. Uh, Helen O'Hara. Actually, Helen, I will ask you about Glastonbury. How was yeah. it? Yeah. Um, it was really muddy. Um, it was a bit noisy, I'll be honest. Uh, I felt like people, <laughs> people, 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 <laughs> muddy and noisy. Hmm. Keep oh, it down, yeah. guys. <laughs> people didn't seem to know about ten o'clock bedtime. It was weird. Um, but uh, but no, I had a wonderful time. I was working at the Pilton Palais, the, the uh-huh. cinema tent, um, hanging out with Tilda Swinton among other people. She was our yeah. film star in residence. Um, but at one point, I got up on stage to introduce her. And uh, and so I opened with Hello Glastonbury because, I mean, how often are you going to have the, the option of Almost saying Hello never. Glastonbury to a packed house of people at Glastonbury? And uh, and I introduced her and she came on stage and I immediately slipped in the mud when trying to get off stage. So karma works fast. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're like Jennifer Lawrence then. I basically am Jennifer Lawrence, yes. Congratulations. Did you fall all the way over? Uh, I, I just uh, slipped down to my knees in the mud and uh, Tilda Swinton's very nice uh, partner, husband, boyfriend, person. Other um, half. Other half, uh, Sandros, uh, picked me up and he was very kind. Oh, that's oh, lovely. Yeah. So, yeah. You, did you style it out? Did people see? Oh, yeah. Did people no. see? Everybody was looking at Tilda Swinton. Everybody was... It was fine. No right. one is looking at me when Tilda Swinton is speaking. It's okay. okay. All right. I hosted a press conference once at Cannes with uh, Quincy Jones and Brett Ratner. And I fell over. <laughs> well, so all, all the way, all the way over. Singing. All the way over. I went to sit down and I fell over. Wow. I, so, yeah. what, so did Quincy pull your chair away from you as <laughs> you went to sit? Yeah, it was a classic, classic Quincy Jones prank. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough to come back from that. So I just started mooning everyone. Um, right. Okay. Well, good to have you back from thank the, you, the, the mud-soaked hellhole that <laughs> it is Glastonbury. Right. Uh, because we're flipping the format in its head this week, uh, we're going to start with the movie news. And in fact, we're going to start with a shameless plug. Because today, when we record the podcast, is New Empire Day. The new issue of Empire has hit the stands. Subscribers should already have their issues. Uh, and it is a belter. 
but it's a belter for several reasons. One, it's a cracking issue, great issue. Star Trek Beyond is the cover movie. Uh, fantastic cover feature inside there as well. We also have a supplement, a 60-page 60-page Star Trek supplement covering 50 years of Star Trek because this year is a huge Star Trek anniversary. So we have marked that with this wonderful supplement with lots of new interviews and look back, looks back at the films and the TV shows and all sorts of stuff. But it is also a, a, a sort of noteworthy issue of Empire because it is a redesign. What? A redesign. No, it's all this? Are you wearing this, John? Is it? It is. Oh, look, it looks different. It is. It looks great. It looks fantastic. It is fantastic. And Johnny Pyle, as deputy editor of the magazine, is here to talk us through uh, the redesign uh, and tell us what's happening. What's well, going on? Well, yeah, we have. We've, we've re- redesigned it from uh, front to back. Um, and But you start with the front, right? Well, I mean, the, the front cover is still the front cover. It's not that radical. This is true. It's still, it's still, it still has Empire on the front. Whew. <laughs> not in red though this month. You'll oh, notice. Okay. And well, one of the the big things we've uh, done, or at least I see it as uh, monumental. I don't know how often you change the words by the star ratings, but we have. Um, yeah, they stayed the same. For, the, yeah, they stayed the same for a very long it's a, time. It's probably a decade. It was. Yes. Under Colin's leadership, I believe, that we yeah. must change that. And now correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm doing this from uh, memory, but it was five stars was unmissable. Mm-hmm. Unmissable. And then excellent for four. I think so, yeah. And then good. Yep. And then okay. No, not okay. Then poor. 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 And poor. then tragic. Tragic. Yeah, that sounds good. Sounds right to me. So what have we got now? So now five stars means excellent. Sure. Because I don't know that you can go higher than that. Because unmissable to me, I would say Batman v Superman was an unmissable film, but I don't think it's a five star film. I, don't, I think that it becomes unmissable doesn't necessarily talk to the quality. It talks about the cultural uh, moment. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. Well, I think I believe that that's a kind of that's from an era when uh, it was almost like you there, there, there was the film that you had to see that month, mm-hmm. whether or not it was actually a, a standalone classic film that would for you know for the rest of time would be, be seen as a masterpiece. Uh, if it was if it was just the film you had to see that month, then it could get a five star rating. Hence Cloverfield. Actually, there was a debate. Do you remember? And yep. Cloverfield got its five star rating on that basis. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So these are modern star ratings for the year 2016 and beyond for the millennials yeah. <laughs> so They'll it's excellent it. then good then uh-huh. okay and so then poor so hang, and awful. finally awful. so hang on hang on so three stars is now okay yeah is that a recommendation because yeah, I kind of it's a we kind of have a catchphrase here that's that's you know it's pretty it's, it's pretty set in stone I mean I was going to get a t-shirt printed up <laughs> I, think, uh, I think that's still a recommendation that's still it? a recommendation yeah it's got so what we found in the office that we were always like debating what the star rating should be and people thought different that uh, two and three meant different things almost uh, so hopefully that is clearer so then the star ratings will be uh, more representative of the review that they decorate awesome and there's another change to this section which is that it's not just cinema releases now that is absolutely true yeah uh, there's TV in there and there's actually uh, games as well so th- they are still vaguely uh, sectioned off because you, f- you you have all films and then we move on to TV and streaming platforms sure. so but yeah so it seems to me I mean Fundamentals of Caring sits in that TV and streaming section because it's available premieres on Netflix but you know it actually premiered at Sundance and you know Netflix could have gone to the cinema you know it's a film with Paul Rudd so it seems it seemed odd to me to relegate it to a back sure. section when it's I, you saw it and hated it um, <laughs> disliked just disliked fine, disliked <laughs> uh, but you know we have you know a, a new TV show with Ray Liotta and um, 
Jennifer Lopez, whose name, even though I was looking at her and reading her name, I suddenly <laughs> forgot. Yeah, she's, just for a second. She's fairly famous. Um, so, you know, that's in there. And, you know, Orange is the New Black, the new season of that, you know, was one of the biggest um, entertainment mm. uh, yeah. launches of the past month. And so mm. that's why that is in there. So, again, mm. it's, re- it's reflecting this sort of cultural shift in people's viewing tastes and how we consume media. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Awesome. And also there's there's a logic to it in the sense that that's the section where the things you're seeing for the first time, the new things. Yeah. Mm. It kind of did seem strange to be putting new things that you're seeing for the first time in a section which, which was more originally about, you know, returns of you know things on dvd and blu-ray yeah, and stuff absolutely. like that so there's 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 i think there's a nice clean logic to it absolutely. i'm delighted that you feel that way <laughs> yeah, yeah. if um, not we'd have to fight well <laughs> too late johnny too late beat you to it you've missed your opportunity uh, there's a there's another uh, major rejig going on towards the back of the magazine as well the uh, review section has had a pretty major overhaul uh Overseen by your good self. Yes, this is true, but um, it is it, can be, it, it is a review section. But we've done something pretty radical with it. Well, I mean, it's, well, a, we'll it's, a, it's, it. a, it's a very simple thing um, on the surface. It's that mm. there aren't uh, uh, newly written uh, reviews for films that you know we reviewed three months ago. So Deadpool is in there. It's covered over three mm-hmm. pages, uh, but we are not re-reviewing it. We are mm-hmm. doing a viewing guide on the understanding that. It's so recent. It's so recent that we um, wrote a review of it. It seems pointless to just write another one. We have mm. our Empire review. It exists online. Agreed. And now you know we can actually enjoy the film and engage with the film more rather than just saying this is good about it, this is bad about it. We can Absolutely. like go deeper with all yep. these films. So Deadpool has a viewing guide, and uh, there's a a wonderfully conceived uh, illustration of the bunker in 10 Cloverfield Lane where um, the director, uh, Dan, I'm saying Trachtenberg. Trachtenberg, yeah. Uh, he um, he talks through, you know, the process of making it and all the little things that they hid there. Mm-hmm. And, you and know, he loves so it. on and he, so uh, forth. He was very taken with uh, the illustration that uh, Ollie Gibbs, uh, our, one of our brilliant designers, spent ages on. He watched the film over and over and over again to try and get the layout of the bunker right. So he talks us through all the different things. And, and Trachtenberg was, uh, was, was raving about that the other day on, on Twitter and Instagram. So glad you like it, sir, if you are listening to the podcast. And why wouldn't you be? Um, but yeah, the idea is basically with this that uh, we're no longer going to repeat ourselves after just two or three months we're going to go deeper into films we're going to we're going to have essentially really it's another feature section uh, in a way yeah um we're we're, we're we've got uh, in-depth features for example this month we have a three-page feature on the, the the enduring magic of highlander where we spoke to christopher lambert and clancy brown and russell mulcahy and we've uh things like best times worst of times and movie mastermind is back and there's a there's a great feature on how black philip was the breakout star of the witch where we talked to the uh, director robert eggers there's there's all tons of great new mm. stuff sally hughes the the great writer has uh, a new column in the uh, in the magazine going forward which is great we have and i will absolutely fess up to this we have a new regular called the first take club um which if you are a, a follower of the ram album club on twitter you may go what um <laughs> because in this um uh, people will be watching films for the first time and writing their writing about their take on them it is absolutely i will hold my hands up 100 percent inspired by the the brilliant ram album club uh, but it is done with the blessing of uh, martin fitzgerald who runs the ram album club 
And in fact, for a long, long time, we were hoping that he would actually actively be involved in this, uh, but we couldn't quite make it work out. Um, he's a very, very busy guy. So this is something I'm really, really, really happy with. Uh, it's it's a really, really good thing. We have Paul Merton writing about Buster Keaton. He's a huge fan of Buster Keaton. It's it's a really cracking section, I think. Can I just say on, on a personal note? This is note, myself. Yeah, I, I say on a personal note, I'm also, there's a new regular thing in it called Kids Watch Classics. There's, um, there's, but so, yeah, so yeah. The, the first the first ever first take club is is, is my son, Louis. <laughs> yes, it is. So basically, Kids yeah. Watch Classics <laughs> is uh, young kids watch classics. And then we interview them for the reactions, and and hilarity ensues, and that's that's one of the the, the fun things in there. It's a really really cracking issue of Empire. There's uh, fantastic features. I don't want to overstate the case, and don't want to bang on about it too much. But it, you know, there are some pretty radical reinventions going on here, and we just wanted to talk you through them. Hold your hand and make sure everything's okay as you step with us into this new and exciting era. Uh, but there's some amazing, amazing things in the issue. The Star Trek Beyond feature is fantastic. The Star Trek supplement is fantastic. Uh, there's an interview with Sophia Batella. Uh, there's a great feature on Jason Bourne. He's the guy who wrote it. You're awful. It was great by the time I finished with it. I mean, oh, yeah, that's right. Dan, Dan's just here yeah. to make me look good. I yeah. um, spoke to Paul Greengrass uh, and uh, what's the guy's name? The guy who plays Jason Bourne, Matt Damon. Yeah. Um, spoke Paul Greengrass for so long for that that uh, he was on his way back from the editing suite and he was uh, he was in a car and I spoke to him for so long for this he finished the film by the stopped time. off <laughs> to get a takeaway <laughs> on the way on the way back so if anyone saw a tweet I did about a month ago where I said uh, I tweeted something like if you get to the point where you have to say to the, the interviewee uh, okay you've got a takeaway now I've got to let you go that was who I was referring to Paul Greengrass um, there's a great uh, feature about David Brent Life in the Road Ricky Chavez Helen interviewed Baz Luhrmann about Romeo and Juliet 20 years on mm. uh, and there's uh, Chris, Christopher Walken see uh, the um, Empire interview done by Johnny yep. and there's a, a really interesting feature on Steven Seagal's On Deadly Ground so there's a little bit of something for everyone there, I think. Plus and the Star Trek supplement, which is fantastic. Yeah. It goes through all the series, uh, the movies. Uh, there's interviews. There's a quiz. It's it's wonderful. I didn't get full marks on the quiz. I feel like I'm going to have to hand in my Trek badge. Especially as we wrote it and then made it easier. Mm. Oh, really? It oh, was, yeah. Honestly, the first, the first take of that quiz was impossible. Oh, I don't know if I, uh, which one I did then. Oh, no, it looks no like I think I did you did that one. one. Yeah. 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 I missed, yeah. I missed a question. I'm sorry. It's fine. It's fine. It's okay. You can't. You can't win anyway. You can't. You what? can't. Oh, there's a competition. I don't know if it's a competition, but you can't. You know, as an employee of Bauer Media, or you know. All yeah, that, it's not all a competition. It's fine. Okay, you're all It's right. just for fun. It's just for fun. There's no such thing as fun. It's all competitive. Uh, the new section preview is also fantastic. Loads of great stuff. But anyway, listen. Yeah, don't want to do the hard sell. We've got other things to talk about, and we're going to be self-indulgent enough anyway. We're down at the end of the podcast, so um, all I say is a fantastic, fantastic issue. Really, really proud of it. Four pounds ninety-nine in all good and evil news agents. You can't say fairer than that, unless you can say fairer than that. In which case, well done. Uh, right. So let's talk about actual movie news as well that happened this week. A big story that happened overnight is that after being criticised rightly so uh, last year the the uh, the Academy the uh, Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences have invited 683 new people into its ranks um, and 46% of those uh, are female 41% of those are people of colour in a clear attempt to increase the diversity of the Academy and to stave off I think further criticism about last year's Oscars whitewash hashtag Oscars so white um, so new members who've been invited and a large part of it comes from people being nominated and yeah. and, um, and winning uh, over the last couple of years so John Boyega 
has been invited into the academy. Well done, Finn. Uh, well done, Moses. Uh, Idris Elba. Lufa! Lufa is an academy member. <laughs> okay. Today we're cancelling the apocalypse. As we say. Today we're cancelling Oscars, so yeah. white. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. The Oscar the Oscar apocalypse. Um, which is great. Yeah. You know, Tina Fey, Emma Watson as well. Um, These are good people. Kate Beckinsale. Sarah Bennett, a local Londoner who won for VFX last year. Is she in Luther? She's not in Luther. Well, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well done. Um, Brie Larson. Ryan Coogler, Michael B. Jordan, who should have been invited immediately once they completed Creed, because it's amazing. They've also been invited, as have Anthony Anderson, Adam Beach, Chadwick Boseman, Carmen Ijogo, uh, America Ferrara, Greta Gerwig, Carla Gugino, Regina King, Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Hiddleston. He Tom just Hiddleston. got in through his girlfriend. <laughs> um, Rachel McAdams. Tom Hiddleston, am I saying that right? I don't know. I'm not right. I, think, sure. I, think, I think you're thinking of um, Tom Huddleston. Tom Huddleston, yes, of, yeah. uh, of uh, Stoke in England. Wait, does he not Stoke no. anymore? Who's the one that plays... Nottingham who, Forest. Who's the one that plays... Uh, was, oh, um, who played Santa Claus? Is that David Huddleston? That's David Huddleston. <laughs> I think you're thinking of Tom Huddleston of Time Out, who also writes uh, some young adult Star Wars novels. Ah, right, Which okay. is one of the, the best examples of moonlighting I can think of. Amazing. Um, Marlon Wayans has also been invited on the list. Uh, Nate Parker, who's the director of uh, Birth of a Nation, which is coming out later, uh, actually next year over yeah. here, uh, is has also been invited by Rachel McAdams, as I said. Um, so they're really mm. I think really this is a bit of a stealth play for the Marvel Cinematic Universe if you ask me <laughs> so they got they got Loki they got Rachel McAdams they've got you know they got Michael B. Jordan they got Ryan Coogler the director of Black Panther you know, John Boyega's yeah. in Black Panther yeah I'm you not know, sure that that was their criteria. Chadwick Boseman they got the Black Panther I think I think I think I know where they're coming from with this okay I, Brie Larson may well be Captain Marvel do you know who, who should be a good frontrunner for Captain Marvel? Who's that? And I say this just as someone who's really, really got into FEEP in the last uh, couple of months. <laughs> Anna, Anna Klumsky. Interesting. Yeah. Just, just do it. Just cast her, man. Come on, Kevin. I remember when no. she was in My Girl. Yeah. I think she With does as well. Colgan. She <laughs> as well. Uh, Alicia Vikander and Mark Rylance is also, are also on the list. It's a, it's a cracking list. Do you know who's not on the list? Who's that? Me. Yeah, no, well, that's because, mm. you know, you haven't made any yeah. films. Yeah, and you're an old white man. Um, okay. Uh, a, I'm not old. B, I haven't made any films, but I have been in Hostel Part 2. I mean, I think, weren't you cut from a theatrical release? I was cut from the theatrical release of Hostel. Oh, I'm but sorry. But not Hostel Part 2, Helen. <laughs> Uh, but good to see Nick DeSemlian uh, is not on the list either for his dreadful performance as Edmund mm. in Jurassic World. <gasps> yeah, screw him. Yes. I can't believe you just screw signed that off guy. Edmund. Yeah. Screw that guy. Yeah. Uh, it's a cracking, it's a really, really good list. Uh, go and check it out. 683 people uh, on the list and uh, mm. a, a admirable, um, I think, attempt to increase diversity. And what I think that will mean as well, and we talked about this in the podcast too, it'll, it'll, that'll change, I think, the nominations uh, going forward hopefully so well. yeah cool uh, which is which is very very cool so mm. well done the academy lots of lots of interesting and Youngblood Youngblood too Youngblood yeah, no, he's kind of 20, 24 years old now I think is now the age of the youngest academy member uh, so the age range is 24 to 91. Anything else happening in the world of news? Just uh, not, 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 not a huge, massive piece of news, but I mean kind of you know more, more casting's been going on for, for Spider-Man Homecoming uh, mm-hmm. So they've now cast Tyne Daly, 
who was, of course, Cagney or Lacey in Cagney and Lacey. Um, and, Is this like uh, Ant or Deck? Yes. Cagney or Lacey. Um, so I never really watched Cagney. I'm going to be honest. I never really watched it. I was too young. But it was always it was it was always coming on as I was going to bed. I seem to re- uh, seem to remember. But that music was great. Amazing. I do. Stop. Am I a bit too high there? Yeah, no, really yeah, high. yeah. You should have gone a bit lower. I, and I was, I was completely, I, I was completely all, like, what, what I, I don't know what key I was supposed to be in. What is happening? That was so, um, Time Daily's great monologue from the opening, yeah. <laughs> the opening episode of Cagney and Lacey. Don't you remember when when Lacey no, turns her and says, just, "Hey, Cagney, what's going on?" And Cagney goes, "No, stop." No, okay. The only Cagney and Lacey I acknowledge are the daughters of uh, Terry Crews in. Uh, in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Carry on. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, sorry, that was just an excuse to, to, to badly sing the uh, theme so music to Cagney and Lacey. I'm so sorry. I can just imagine people's ears exploding as they yeah. went very high there. Sorry. So, yeah, so she joined the cast. But, of course, no one's saying who she's playing or what she's doing or where she is or why. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, that leads me on to our next news story. Um, Barkhad Abdi has joined the cast of the Blade Runner sequel, but no one knows who he's playing, what he's doing... Where, he's, where he'll be or why. Amazing. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's good, though. He's good. He's it great. Is good. I it's mean, good it's, it's great to see him get, get work. Obviously, he impressed us all in Captain Phillips. He was very good earlier this year in Eye in the Sky. And it's great to see him getting more stuff. So hopefully this is a proper, you know, sizable yeah. role. But we don't know what it is yet. Absolutely. And we don't know the name of the film yet, actually. We're still just calling it Blade Runner sequel. I think it's going to be called um, Do Androids Still Dream of Electric Sheep? Right. Okay, well, fingers crossed for that then. No. Uh, but mm. uh, Denis Villeneuve's still directing. We've got Ryan Gosling, Robin Wright, Dave Bautista, Anna de Armas, Mackenzie Davis, Sylvia Hooks, and Carla Jory. I know what it should be called. What What should it be called? Double Deckard. <sighs> anyway. Um, Wait. Ryan Gosling's character is called... Wait, uh-huh. wait, hang on. He's called Monaghan Black. What an awesome name. He teams up with Rick Deckard. Together, no, no, they are Black no, and stop. Deckard. Please stop. And their theme tune no. goes a little bit no. like this. I'm begging you. Okay, right. Um, um, sorry, should we, I don't know what's happened. There is one bit of really <laughs> weird news that deserves our attention for a moment. Mm. Um, Tetris. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, because this, this, this is a scoop. This is an this empire is a, scoop. Yes. This, is, this is as scoopy as we get. Yes, fucking Tetris we story. Fucking scoop the shit out of this. <laughs> Honestly. Anyway, Helen, sorry, I was no, no, trampling please. all over um, your scoop. No, I mean it's not my scoop. Uh, it isn't your scoop. That's right. It not is. only are they planning a Tetris movie, God help us all. Uh, they're hoping that it will be a franchise. Yes. The first mm. of a trilogy. Mm of Tetris movies purely because the story we've conceived is so mm. big says the man in charge of bringing it to the screen Larry Kazanov uh, this isn't us splitting the last one of our eight movies into two to wring the blood out of the stone it's just a big story well so mm. there you go it's it's incredible that you can squeeze one film out of Tetris never mind three but yeah. who am I to argue with the visionary Larry Kazanoff. 
Uh, I think I think this could be great. This could be fantastic. All the pieces are falling into place. Oh, what? Uh, it could be. It could be absolutely mm. awesome. Uh, I will say, and again, I, I know we did a mammoth uh, hard sell on the issue uh, a while ago, but there is a genuinely really, really great group uh, scoop in the news section, which is at uh, Colin Trevorrow, the director of Jurassic World and Star Wars Episode Nine, uh, has given us the exclusive first look and first word on his new movie, uh, Book of Henry, which, mm. the Book of Henry, which is uh, which is which nobody knew anything about, and now you can read all about it in the hallowed pages of Empire Magazine. So there you go. So that's. That's a great one. Um, it feels to me that we should talk about Game of Thrones, but we sh- it's <laughs> it's, t- it's tough to talk about Game of okay. Thrones. Without any spoilers, I don't think, um, I will say that I thought it was a pretty satisfying season overall. Uh, there were some ups and downs, but generally a very satisfying season. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that we, we seem now to be moving pieces towards each other rather than away from each other as if building towards some kind of one hopes conclusion. Now the the word actually this this week from the showrunners is that they're planning two more shortened seasons so perhaps a total of about 13 episodes mm-hmm. seven then six mm-hmm. um, but that that will bring it to a conclusion, a finish, an end and um, that is kind of exciting because it seems like maybe that's where we're headed right now I was absolutely blown away by this season. I was absolutely in love with it. I didn't think it put a single foot wrong. I absolutely. It was, it was, it, it still, to me, had the amazing shocks and surprises that you want from this show, but at the same time, kind of shifted into, like you just said, mm-hmm. kind of shifted into more of a kind of a classic narrative that you would begin to hope for at this point in the overall story where like you say that they're, they're, they're coming together and the kind of you know the you know the the rise the rise of the Starks again is yeah. happening and obviously Daenerys is finally <laughs> finally stopping sitting around in that blooming pyramid mm. yeah um, it's, it's, to quote Winston Churchill it may not be the beginning of the end but it's certainly the end of the beginning yeah so uh, it feels you know, hmm. like there's movement. And I thought that that last episode, uh, yeah, the, last the episode opening sequence of the last episode is is now that's 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 TV to beat this year. Uh, that whole, that whole sequence. So we have 13 episodes left, uh, two seasons, and you know I have to say I admire that because this is a a huge TV show. It is a cash cow for HBO, and they could easily have strung this thing out for 12, 13 seasons. Um, there are certain shows at the moment that show no signs of ever stopping. I'm not going to name names. The Walking Dead! Oh my god! The Walking Dead! Um, just. And just don't seem to ever. Big Bang Theory! Big Bang Theory! Yes, you really do First, something in your throat, don't you? Gosh. You're right, Chris. I'm alright, right. yeah. Good, okay. thank you. Okay. Um, and this is going to stop after uh, eight, eight yeah. seasons. So that's great. That's very, very good. They've announced some directors for uh, season seven, including Alan Taylor. Ooh. Never mind that he directed Terminator Genesis. He's a really good TV director, and he'll be back. Uh, um, he's directed. He, he's, he did some great work in the early seasons. I mean, some, yes, some he really has, good stuff. He's directed it before. Jeremy, Jeremy Podeswa, who's also directed Amazing. some episodes of the show, Mark Mylod, uh, Matt Shackman. Uh, it's going to be very, very fascinating. People have asked on Twitter, they've asked Empire and they've asked me, I'm sure they've asked you, Helen, as well, whether we'll be doing a Game of Thrones Season 6 spoiler special podcast. At the moment, no. Partially because we just don't have the time. Mainly because we don't have the time, frankly. In fact, we haven't even got around to recording our Independence Day Resurgence spoiler special because 
trying to get us all in the same room at the moment is a bit like trying to schedule an Avengers movie. It's very, very tricky. <laughs> Except that um, we don't have contracts mandating that we keep a certain month free. Precisely. We don't have that. Um, uh, or indeed money or yeah. notoriety or fame or six packs or any of the stuff that Avengers have, but it's all good. Um, but you know, who knows? Who knows what will happen if we suddenly get a, 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 a moment of time maybe in the next week or so and we don't feel that we've missed the cultural moment then maybe we'll do it and we'll see what happens uh, but I will say there are great Game of Thrones podcasts out there EW do a good one uh, Joanna Robinson of Fanity Fair does a couple of great um, uh, Game of Thrones podcasts so check those out um, and that'll hopefully fill your Game of Thrones spoiler podcast uh, needs Okay, so it's time now for this week's guests. Uh, Nicholas Winding Refn has been one of our favourite directors for a while. Uh, we liked him before. Drive made him cool. Uh, and he's back next week with the Neon Demon. Uh, Phil Dissemlian went along to talk to him and his star slash muse, Elle Fanning. Enjoy. Welcome to the Empire Podcast. Welcome back to the Empire Podcast, Nicholas Wyndham Ruffin. And, and on debut, Elle Fanning, um, here to talk about the Neon Demon. A real pleasure to have you on, both of you. Thank, Thank you. Um, I think the film's obviously out in, in July in the UK, so Cam will be in the, in the rear view by then, but it does seem like an obvious place to start because you have, you're developing a, um, an intimate relationship with the festival, it's fair to say, Nicholas. Um, this time you were booed and heckled and also given a 10-minute standing ovation. Um, do you think Cam should sort of get together before it makes a judgment and just work out what it's doing? Or are you happy with that kind of level of um, sort of, you know, split, I guess, in the audience? Well, I think what we have to remember is that I am can. You are can. Because without me, it would be a really boring <laughs> film festival. Is, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, most of the things, you know, if you don't react to anything, why not just stay home and watch television? You know, our movie that Ellen and I did, you know, The Neon Demon, brought everything that an event needs. We brought glamour, we brought beauty, we brought controversy, we brought vulgarity, we brought hatred, we brought anger, we brought love, and we brought hate. And, you know, creativity is all about reacting. Mm. Good and bad, that's your Indian lunch. I mean, how can you, especially with the digital revolution where everything is accessible, and there's an audience for everything, so somebody's opinions of good or bad is even like irrelevant in a way. Yes. Because of the future. And Elle and I, we come from the future. Hmm. <laughs> we know what's going to happen. And I think for us, you know, and for me, this is my third time there, diversity equals success. Right. Elle also, on top of that list of things that you've just mentioned, also brought a prom date to Cannes, which is, I don't know if that's a first for the festival. Did did anyone tell you? I know. I think everyone was very surprised by it. Also, prom is such a, like, an American thing. Yes, true. (laughs) Um, It was, yeah, because my prom was on the same night as the premiere. So I had to, you know, had to combine the two. But my, yeah, my prom date came out and came to the premiere. So we had our prom night in Cannes. 
which was pretty spectacular. Did you know that was happening before before your prom date arrived? I no, I did because yes. I said we yeah. You didn't just turn up, up and okay. No, it wasn't like a surprise. <laughs> 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 yeah, so we no, we planned it, and you know, my mom got the whole photos on the staircase and like. I've seen the, the pictures are there on Instagram. Yeah. Should, we, should we name check your prom date? What was his name? Cassio. He's my best friend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there wasn't a romantic, necessarily a romantic angle, just Not a long at all. platonic. I've known him like since I was really young. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the coolest movie prom dates, I think, since probably Back to the Future. Yeah. Um, the, the George, the George McFly part of that. Anyway, how are you describing the Neon Demon to your friends who haven't seen it and don't know too much about Nicholas's work, potentially? High school friends, for instance. Do you, have you been asked... To, to tell them what it, what it's about and how are you framing it? Well, it's a <laughs> it's a teenage horror film, which is kind of that's how Nick describes it, and I think it's very true to that. But yes. it's also very—I mean, it's it's horror, and yes, it's terrifying, but it's also so glamorous and enticing and beautiful. Though I think like all the blood in it is even beautiful and glossy, um, and. And yeah, and, and set in the in the fashion world. I mean, it's it can be set anywhere. Yes. Um, but it is set in that which is kind of ultimate, exaggerated glamour in this fantasy world in a way that's obsessed with beauty because we're all kind of obsessed with beauty. Yes, I think that's not unfair. Um, I wondered. I mean, the obvious question is, what did you learn from Nicholas working on this? But I wondered, you've been acting since you were. Since you were knee high to a very small grasshopper, like two, three years old, yeah. What, did you, did you learn anything from Elle on this movie? I learned everything. I mean, she was more experienced than I was. She's done more moves than I had. She knew more about eyelines than I did. Is that true? Really? Yeah. <laughs> to make the neon demon, it was all about, like always, who's going to play the lead. And for me, there was no other option. So everything was on, depending on us meeting. Mm. I was casting unknown actresses, and there was no one that had the requirements that I felt could fulfill. There was no one that had it uh-huh. or that thing. And um, I basically was able to set up a meeting with L. And uh, prior to that, I had seen a few of her movies and my wife had seen one of the recent films that Elle had done and we saw this photo session, a photo spread that she had done for a a magazine and it was just like, she said, whatever it is, there's that thing that this film needs. So this meeting was set up where my agenda was just like get L Fanning mission <laughs> mission Fanning go Fanning and you know and, and failure is not an option because then there's no movie and we had moved to LA we had put the kids in school in LA and everything was dependent so we met at the house where we were staying and and you know I think I was like, oh, this movie's about the 16-year-old girl inside of me, and you're going to be her, and this movie's about beauty and youth and teenagers and glamour and vulgarity and all those things that you say, and uh, I think it pretty went 
pretty well that it did it did because I went into it thinking I was like oh like I really want to do this like hopefully I get the part mm. and then Nick's like going into it like oh god I get out, which I had no idea do. yeah I had no idea that that's what it was but it was you walk in and it's like he has like there's like princess clothes everywhere and like I met his two oh okay yeah you're right what (laughs) yeah Nick likes to dress up (laughs) um but I saw it's like okay like I saw you know the feminine side or like I understood why Nick Reffin was doing a movie yes about you know because that's not his normal that's not what you think of when you think of him. Maybe now you do, but... Well, dressing as a princess or making this movie. Oh, yeah, making movie. films about... <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. Know. Yeah. Um, it, it, I know that there's some unusual direct directorial, um, uh, I guess, texts that Nicholas has. Uh, uh, violence motherfuckers, he says. Oh, yeah, you did say that. Is that something JJ did on Super 8? Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Instead of action. I've only heard that from uh, only heard that from Nick. But it helped us. That was the scene and then that's when I really got punched in the face. Did you? So, yeah, by Abby. It was yeah. she supposed to punch me in the face in the and, you know, we're like, oh, we had the stunt guy there and whatever. And it was an accident. She's like, she's she, like, violence, motherfuckers. And then she like really punched me. Oh, it's very fetish. So for all the fetish crowds, there's something for everyone in the movie. Yes. Okay. There's a there's a certainly fraternity of Empire podcast listeners who are in the fetish crowd. So I think they'll be pleased to hear that. Um, Keanu Reeves is a surprise addition to your sort of cast rep- repertory of actors in this movie. Um, he does. So it's fair to say he's quite far from his kind of neo persona in this. Um, there is a scene where he effectively, um, I mean, I don't want to use the phrase deep throat, but it's kind of no other way oh to describe goodness. it. Oh my God. With, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to shock the two people that made the Neon Demon, am I? But I mean, you know, he, he takes a knife and he ends up, it, it, you know, down your throat. And, yeah. um, it, <laughs> it's obviously not a real knife, but yeah. it's still. No, it but it was. It was a real knife. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was a rubber knife. Well, it's, no, it's well, not really rubber. It's, yeah, it was like very like... Crouch. It was... punched for real. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real knife. His face is like... You know, there was ideas about a whipping scene. Okay. Somewhere. All right. So yeah. how did Keanu... Was he... I mean, I gather he was kind of apologetic about having to oh, subject yeah. well, you to these... Oh, yeah. He is like the sweetest guy like ever. So polite and like whatever. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, like up for... <laughs> like whatever. <laughs> fine you know um but he yeah just like making sure he's like oh is it okay is it okay like yeah it's okay it's fine yeah i really like that scene it's a great scene yeah yeah there's a lot of the the motel sequence is is this you know you talked about a a, a dream it's a weird dark dreamy sort of cinema peach colored the wallpaper the i mean just being in that room with that wallpaper That that you didn't have to change that room at all because it and kind it of smelled. did it. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> did you okay? Do you send your location scouts? Just find me yeah, the the I nastiest, find the most realistically run down motel. Yeah, and he came back with a few options. This was in Pasadena and near mountains, which would help with the whole tiger storyline. Mm. Okay. So uh, and then we went to see it, and it was just so horrendously scary and yet interesting. And um, it was a great place to begin the movie. You, you got a bonus, I guess, your location scout for that. <laughs> With the extra smells. I mean, it must make you feel, you know, the, the sort of three dimension of being in that, in, that, in that setting as an actor. Yeah. Just to feel it and smell it. And, yeah, it's always better to, like, be on location in yeah. a place than 
you know, in a studio or something. <laughs> I've got to wrap up very shortly. Um, I, you're obviously a big fan of collectibles. Um, I don't know if you had, you know, toys as a, as a kid growing up. Um, mm. Do you have any thoughts on a movie tie-in toy for this for this film, The Neon Demon? Because it could be kind of a dark, twisted take on oh, yeah. Barbie, Barbie, potentially. That's cool. With a with a yeah. detachable eyeball, potentially. Yeah, or a throat cut. Yeah. Barbie doll. And then you squeeze it, and blood comes out. Of the throat. That. That's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Toys R Us coming soon. Right. <laughs> Elle Fanning, Nicholas Winnie Riffin, thank you so much for joining us on the Empire Podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, so that was uh, Nicholas Winding Refn and uh, Al Fanning there, along with Phil Dissemblian. And now it's time to talk about the movie reviews. Only two films, two, two big films in the multiplexes this week to discuss. Uh, first up, let's start with absolutely fabulous a movie, shall we? Hells Bells, I know, I know you saw this last night. Yes, at the premiere, darlings. Um, mm. Yeah, this is, so it's been a little while since this was on our screens, and certainly a little while since it was, you know, culturally dominant on our screens, but uh, Adina and... Patsy are back, obviously played by Jennifer Saunders, who also wrote and uh, Joanna Lumley. Uh, and basically, they haven't learned anything. They haven't changed. They haven't grown. There has been no positive development in their lives. This will not shock you if you've <laughs> ever seen them. Um, this, the story this time has uh, Edina struggling with her PR business, uh, obviously, because she's <laughs> terrible at it. Uh, and uh, and Patsy learns that Kate Moss is looking for new representation. So Adina is very keen to get the job. So they go to a party which which Kate Moss is at with a huge number of other celebrity cameo guests. Pat, uh, basically, Adina accidentally knocks Kate Moss into the river to her presumed death. Uh, so she becomes obviously hounded as a pariah. She's investigated by the police. Uh, she is... Uh, you know, a, a social outcast. And she decides to escape to the south of France uh, with Patsy, of course, and with her granddaughter, who has the only working credit card in the house because, you know, she doesn't exactly spend money wisely. Uh, they head off to the south of France uh, in search of a rich husband for Patsy so that the the two of them can live in the style to which they've become accustomed. Uh, and it's fair to say it doesn't all work out quite as smoothly as you would wish. So that's the basic plot, which doesn't matter even slightly. Hmm. Um Here's the thing. The plot of the movie is quite bad <laughs> uh, in the sense that we've seen it a million times. We didn't really like it the, the third or fourth time, never mind at this point. Um, it's uh, filled with characters who just don't need to be there uh, and who don't get enough screen time to really shine. Most of the celebrity cameos sort of fall flat. Not all, but most. Um, and and it's all a lot of the jokes just don't hit. The thing is... There are so many jokes mm -hmm. that enough of them do hit that you're still laughing quite constantly. Hmm. So that's why, I mean, I ended up giving it three stars. I mean, it's just, it's not well put together. It really isn't. And I can't stress this enough. It, you know, the, the cinematography <laughs> is not good. The, the, the storytelling is not great. Um, but I still laughed. And in a comedy, that has to be kind of a win. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, you know, this is going to be a, a moderate kind of... Uh, a moderate success critically, but I think it's going to do very, very well at the box office because God knows the British people right now yeah. need to pick me up after the week that we've had. Uh, so this could be just the thing. Um, but yeah, and, and also... So, they so it's not absolutely fabulous. It's, it's kind of... Kind of sufficiently fabulous. It's sufficiently fabulous, okay. yes. And, okay. and I mean, you know, Jennifer Saunders is hilarious and she's actually most hilarious, I think, in some of the the tiny moments. There's a moment where she's uh, trying to do her mindlessness, as she calls it, 
I think she means mindfulness. Um, but she's uh, she she sort of takes a statue of of the Buddha in her hands and goes, you know, oh, what about all those alms I gave you? Where is my enlightenment? You know th- that kind of stuff. And then she's she's trying to alm again and sort of make little bell noises with her empty hands and Hmm. that's funny and it's much funnier than when they go broad and they go big Um, so I think it's when they trust the comedy of their leads that I think this film really really shines best Hmm. Um, it also doesn't work when they try to be emotional or sincere it's awful at that that point but it doesn't matter it's very funny (laughs) no hugging no learning didn't anyone learn anything from Seinfeld honestly there's been no learning it's just the hugging yes anyway so we give it or I give it three stars three stars for absolutely fabulous movie which um, we believe is still a recommendation yeah it's okay three stars is still a recommendation it's okay (laughs) okay it's okay it's okay everyone it's okay and next up is Central Intelligence. Helen, you're up for this one again. It's The Rock and <laughs> Kevin Hart. Uh, a, a little heart and a big Johnson uh, is the tagline for this yeah. movie. Tagline Saving the world, of the year. Saving the world needs a little heart and a big Johnson. I have a sneaking suspicion that is funnier than any joke in the film. That is actually not true. Oh, there we no, go. I, I'm going to diverge slightly from the Empire Review at this point. So the Empire Review is a two. I agree with many of the criticisms in it, and I will mm-hmm. tell you what those are. Uh, but I feel a little bit more warmly inclined towards this film than perhaps our reviewer did. Is that because of your overwhelming love uh, and enduring love for Kevin Hart? The Rock. <laughs> the Rock. It, it is partly that, because I genuinely think he's excellent in this. I think he's absolutely hilarious. Um, the film starts as a sort of... A, it's got a little bit of a cable guy feel about it. So we, we start in a flashback. 20 mm-hmm. years ago, 1996, Kevin Hart is the high school sort of valedictorian. He's president of his class. He's captain of every sports team going, plus the chess club or the debating society or whatever. He's the guy basically mm-hmm. and uh, and he has his high school sweetheart there and he's his life is basically made he is the most likely to succeed meanwhile there's a fat weird little kid called Robbie Weirdick and yes Dan stop snickering uh, and <laughs> who is basically bullied horribly by others in the year and uh, and Kevin Hart is the only one to show him some compassion so basically Robbie leaves school with with you know friendly feelings towards him and 20 years later uh the the two meet up again. So by this point, Kevin Hart's character has not really achieved all he wanted to in life. Uh, He's kind of, he's doing okay, but he's not doing brilliantly. And he feels a little bit kind of like he's letting everybody down by not being a huge superstar. He accepts a new Facebook request from a guy who's changed his name sensibly to Bob Stone. And that turns out to be The Rock, who is, of course, what the little fat kid has grown up into. Apparently by the very simple expedient of spending six hours a day for the last 20 years in the gym. Apparently mm. that's all it takes. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, so anyway, cool. uh, what follows is a really genuinely strange encounter between the two of them. I mean, with The Rock wearing sort of unicorn t-shirts and cut-off jorts, uh, jean shorts, and, and carrying around a fanny pack and just being really strange... And that's brilliant. The problem is then it becomes a spy movie and that's not great. So when it's The Rock being strange, it's Mm. fantastic. And when it's The Rock being a spy, it's seen it all before. Um, Isn't there a feeling that The Rock needs to start choosing better material? That he is better than almost every script he has picked over the last... (laughs) 
three or four years that he's in a succession of mediocre films that he somehow through sheer willpower and charisma turns into passable to good films and what if he were actually united somehow with a great script and a great director think what he could do yeah I honestly I mean you know um, in our review Andrew Laurie's uh mentioned you know what imagine him working with like an Edgar Wright or something and yeah. that that you're you're absolutely right that would be fantastic he does deserve better than this i think he makes the best out of whatever he does and i mean you know this has made a huge amount of money already at the us box office it's going to keep making more kevin hart is an enormous comedy star mm. uh, especially in the us but increasingly around the world so you know it absolutely makes sense from a commercial point of view to do this kind of thing mm. um but it's just, you're right, it's not quite as, as sharp and as clever as I think we want for him. Um, but, I mean, it sh- you know, it should be. I mean, it's, it's Ross and Marshall Thurber who, who obviously did Dodgeball, which is a bit of a favourite. Yeah, I love so, Dodgeball. It's one of my favourite you know, comedies of the last 20 years. But yeah. at the same time, I love The Rock and I love Dwayne Johnson and he's, well, he's the same person, isn't he? Um, what? I, I just wish... I want more from him, man. Mm. You know, yeah. I, I just, remember, I mean, the other guys. You know, so good he's the other not, guys. Not in it that much, but, I mean, that was he was... Oh, great, so good in the rundown yeah. slash welcome to the jungle. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. he, if he teams up with a really good strong director, I just that's, that's what I want. Instead, what we're getting over the next couple of years is another San Andreas and a Baywatch and a Jumanji and it. Baywatch could work. But it could all work. They could all be fine. But I, I yeah. You know, when you look back on you know when you look back in twenty years time in the Rock's career, he's going to be in Moana. He's going to be in Moana. With all my favourite people. Fast 8. I mean, it's all fine. And he's great when he's a pinch hitter and he comes in in the big franchise and he swings and he's all good. But I just, I want I want more from him. Yeah. I'll start picking better scripts, damn it. Well, anyway, we I'd gave... I'd say that to his face. <laughs> yeah, sure you would. <laughs> we gave this... Uh... <laughs> A little Hewitt and a Big Johnson. Well, yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a nightmare scenario, isn't there? Um, my wife doesn't recognise that. So, oh, I'm talking about my wife again. Depends how far away his face is. Right. In fairness. So if he was like safely across like a chasm or something, you might yeah. have shied across. You, you need, need better scripts, man! And then you'd run. Really <laughs> yeah, fast. because he could probably traverse that ravine. Yeah, he probably could. Yeah. Just okay. jump it. So basically what you're saying is you'd yell, you're a stupid head at him and then run away. <laughs> no, I wouldn't yell, you're a stupid head at him because he's an amazing guy. I've met him and he just oozes many things, uh, not least of which is charisma. Mm. And, you know, I just, I want, I want, I just, yeah. I, I want to look at him, I want to look him in the eye from a distance. <laughs> Through binoculars, ideally, yeah, and whisper, "You need better scripts, man." In the hope that he would be able to hear you, because he probably could. That he might think that I am some sort of angel on his shoulder. I'm your conscience. <laughs> I'm your conscience, Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul Rudd. Um, anyway, so we give this two stars. I personally would probably go three, but that okay. is just because of my enduring love of All his right. rockness. Um, there are two other films that are out this week. Um, one that sadly no one in the booth has seen. Uh, it is the film of the week, just by sheer dint of star ratings, and also Kim Newman's raving about it in the new issue of Empire. Uh, it is. Queen of Earth which stars Elizabeth Moss and Catherine Waterstone Elizabeth Moss stars a, a woman who's going through a very interesting very complex breakdown um, and it is a very uh, apparently haunting creepy uh, film so uh, four stars for that if you if you can seek that one out and the other one is a film called The Colony kind of horror film with uh, Emma Watson not that great sadly uh, two stars for that one uh, but uh, you know again if you want to go see those then knock yourselves out um, but that is it for the reviews section and we realise that this is incredibly self-indulgent but it is not every day that uh, a bastion of Empire leaves so it is time to say farewell to Dan Joel and please uh, if you will uh, you've sent a ton of questions in from so uh, you know 
it's a lovely moment of introspection, retrospection. It's I, great. I, People I, have been. I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite gobsmacked. I mean, there's so many questions uh, came in and so many lovely comments uh, yep. on the old Twitter feed. Um, why are you leaving, um, Dan? What, what's, what's, I think some of people want to know first. A lot of people are asking why. And it's just like, you know, I've, I've, I've done this job. I mean, the features editor, or as I'm now called, associate editor, brackets features, um, for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, maybe you could call it a 10 year itch. <laughs> um, I, I just kind of, you know, uh, as as amazing as the magazine is and uh, as much as I love working with the people that I work with and getting to do the things that I do, there just, just comes a point where you feel you need to change it up a little bit. Mm. Um, and, you know, not be necessarily going into the same place every single day. And um, I kind of wanted to flex some different muscles and do some different things as a writer, mm-hmm. uh, primarily. Um, you know, I've got um, a... Uh, you know some 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 stuff I'm working on, personal stuff I'm working on, which I want to give a little bit more time to. And uh, um, there's some other topics I would like to write about, as well as film. Holy um, cow! So um, so yeah, that's the uh, that's that's the plan uh, to become my own boss, to go freelance, become a hired gun, if you like. Uh huh. Um, so yeah, like Marshall Kane at the end of High Noon. <laughs> Bloody I've hell. thrown down my star, and I'm going off to do what a man's got to do. Wow. What a Dan's got to do. Um, I'm bringing myself that new horizon. <laughs> okay. I am the master of my fate. I am the okay. captain of my soul. All right, let's get some questions. We're going to race through these. Um, so people have been sending them in via Twitter. First question here, and this is for you, Dan. Yeah. Uh, what are your fondest memories of Ali Plum? And this has been sent in by Ali Plum. Mm. Oh, yeah, Ali Plum. Um, he um, is a very important person in my life, Ali Plum. Uh, sorry, who is Sorry. Uh, he used to be in the podcast. Did he? And now he's a big noise on radio. Ah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Ellie Plum. Okay. Oh, good, good. Um, I feel like I just whispered into your ear, like you know, like the guy who stands behind POTUS. Yeah. 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 No. Sorry, Ellie. Sorry, What? Why do I have to pick a particular bloody moment? I mean, that's requiring me to use my memory and stuff. Oh. Oh, I don't want to do We could that. be screwed. All these questions will require oh, you to use your memory. Um, um, no, uh, you know, just it was. He was always really fun working with Ali, and you know, talking talking about Breaking Bad with him and stuff. We're off to a good start. Uh, yeah. Next question is from at Champ and CMC. What will it take to make you stay? Hmm. <laughs> I don't believe Chapman CMC is uh, uh, authorized yes. to make any offers, <laughs> yes, or to negotiate on the behalf of Bar Media. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. Uh, 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 options work work from home five days a week for twice the money I'm on. How about that? Oh, I mean, that seems totally reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> where, where do we sign? Uh, okay, I'm just going to try and get through as many as we yeah, can. Yeah, let's just okay. do it. Quick fire. At Macajim45, ratings yep. out of 10. Mm. Never mind, we have a five-star rating. Uh, yep. Ratings out of 10 for Superman the movie. Superman the movie? Yeah. Oh, that's probably... Personally, four because it loses a star because of that whole making the Earth go back in time bit, so which, I, which I never was marking it out of five instead of ten, like he asked you to do. I mean, come on. Dan. Oh God, I'm just honestly, this is just the Empire way, isn't it? it uh, is. Eight, eight, eight out of five uh, for yes. Superman the movie. Uh, Champ Lloyd asks, I think it was Dan who introduced me to the phrase "uncanny valley." Yes, uh, has Hollywood solved that phenomenon yet? It's it's much improved, I think. But the problem is, and whenever they try and do anything where you have CG characters that could just quite easily be played by people, do you know? When yeah. it's kind of when when it's apes, for example, like in the Amazing Planet of the Apes movies or Gollum, or you know, it when it's something definitely non-human. I mean, I'm I'm still. Um, 
you know, for example, I still don't quite understand why Lord Snoke in The Force Awakens, even though he's played brilliant by Andy Serkis, why it needed to be a performance-captured character. Not that it was Uncanny Valley. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of when you, mm. you, you're kind of trying to bring it too close to what could have been done otherwise, naturally. It's, it's still not quite working. Okay. But um, for the most part, I think we're, we're out of there. Close. Close enough. Uh, at Dr. Junior says, what item would you take from the office? <laughs> um, we've got a toy cave troll, which uh, my my kids really want. So I'd steal that. Do it. Screw it. Just take it. Ah, it's part of the furniture. I couldn't do. I couldn't do it. Of course you could. No yeah, and also we, I take, we're not attached to it. Then no. it's, it's, no, no, it's, <laughs> fine, it's fine. The cave troll. I mean, and also it's kind of it's good. It's kind of because he doesn't get played with. Because obviously, you know, we're not children <laughs> in the Empire office. That's cute. That we're you say not that. totally immature. Um, uh, I take it home. It get trashed in like two minutes. Okay. Take it. No, come on. Did you learn nothing from Toy Story 2? Toys are meant to be played with. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, except those covered in dust. may have value in years to come. You keep those in the box. Yeah. You keep those in the yeah, box. Yeah, if you keep them in the box, it's better. I haven't touched oh, my... You get loads uh, of money for it. Got You're massive awful. shield helicarrier from You're Comic-Con. Awful. Although I play with my Galactus. Well, I mean, I don't... What are you doing in your own time, Chris? Is... It's 19 inches. Fully mm. <laughs> articulated. eater. <laughs> Please stop. Uh, you, Ethan. <laughs> Sorry. I was going to try to make a joke about a moon there, but it just don't, wasn't going to work. Don't do that. Uh, instead, Uranus. Oh. Ethan Runt asks, have you seen the Alec Baldwin BT ads? I've seen one of them. I've seen one of them, and it made me chuckle gently. <laughs> <laughs> well done, advertisers. Yeah. I like those ads. Yeah. Uh, I like the Ryan Reynolds ones as well. Uh, is Dan Jolin being forced to leave? This is from Versus BCCI, because he disagreed about what Matrix sci-fi moment to put in the feature. No, because I won that battle. Hashtag he was right. Yeah. Um, no, I won it. I was the victor. And uh, to the victor, the spoils. <laughs> <laughs> and he's already outlined his reasons for leaving. Uh, Chris Murphy, Murphy's Boredom, says, A little cliche, but when, if ever, have you felt most starstruck? George Clooney. Years and years and years and years ago. Uh, I went to interview him. And um, it was a really good interview, actually. But uh, but yeah, I was sort of waiting outside, and then, then he came out with the person that would be interviewing him beforehand, and uh, he was all being nice. And he turned around and he, he saw me, and he said, "He said, hi Dan, I'm George." <laughs> and I was just like, "Yeah, no, you're George Clooney." <laughs> and he said, "Come in, come in." Do you know? Can I get you a drink? Well, he was all Mr. Charm and everything. And I ended up, I ended up like an hour later, stumbling out of the room and. Stepping well, out of the hotel, what happened in the, in the <laughs> and stepping out into the street and um, walking off, thinking, "Oh, that was that was really good. He was really nice. I liked him." And then I realised, like, I like two minutes later, I'd been walking in completely the wrong direction to the Aww. direction I needed to be going, and I just stumbled off. Not you were in love, and I was like, I, I just went, "Oh yeah, okay." So that's that is being starstruck, isn't it? Because yeah. I just I was dazed, but that hasn't happened since. It's always somebody that gets you. Mm. They're just normal people, Dan. Mm. They're as frightened of you as you are of them. <laughs> I think yes. that's spiders, Chris. Oh, yeah. Well, the vision space of yes. movement. That's celebrities, right? <laughs> that's, mm, that's, that's Tyrannosaurus Rex. It's actually not, but, you know. Okay. I, no, I think you're thinking of um, guinea pigs. Guinea pigs. Guinea pigs. I'm terrified of I do know pigs. one thing, though, about celebrities is that they move in herds. They do move in herds. <laughs> they do. Oh, or, or as, actually, the technical term is flock. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yes, that's a true. flock of celebrities. Uh, Monty H. Withnell asks, who has the best movie beard? Oh, my God, that's tough. Because, I mean, I can't... I mean, I mean, you know, Tony Stark's kind of gets on my nerves a little bit, I think, because it's just so fiddly and everything. I think... I, can I have a non-movie one? Can I do TV? 
Of course you can, Dan. Can I do can I do Andrew Lincoln in in The Walking Dead for a bit? That's that's an astonishing beard. <laughs> I love that beard. Uh, actually, Travis Fimmel's in Vikings is pretty good as well, if you're talking TV ones. Um, I would have got Brendan Gleeson in... Uh, in Troy? Calvary. No. Calvary. Calvary okay, is yeah, good that's beard. a good beard. Magnificent stripes. It's got to be a real one, though, hasn't it, really? If it's a fake one, it, you can't, it can't count. Um, so, you, you know, all the dwarf beards from, oh, yeah. from, from, from The Hobbit. You know, yeah, you could go, mm, go in the health, but, you know, Ian McKellen doesn't really... The correct answer to this beard. question is, of course, Kurt Russell in the thing, but uh, that's... No, 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 that's a good answer. That is a good answer. At Don Lyle says, did you get any feedback after calling salmon fishing in Yemen an insipid piece of shit? No. <laughs> For some reason, nobody felt the need to respond to that. Did I say that? I don't remember you saying that. I don't remember saying that. You, you probably said it in the office. I think we all have said that at some point. Maybe, I, maybe, maybe I was in, a, in one of my darker, darker moods at the time. But uh, it is an insipid piece of shit, though. Uh, at Factor Victor asks, "What's he going to not going to miss about the job?" Um, well, I think a lot of the things that I do this job for, I will still be doing in some form. And, you know, the joy, the joy is still there. So, I mean, I guess it's the ninety-minute commute. <laughs> You're not going to miss it. No, okay. I will not miss the ninety-minute commute. I will not miss the Metropolitan Line being packed full of people on a hot day. And um, yeah, I will not miss that. What will you like miss? every day? What will I miss mm -hmm. most of all from the job? The people. <coughs> what will uh, you miss, Dan? Uh, just let me think about it. Uh, Your colleagues. The the regular the regular money the salary I think uh, <laughs> that, that's obviously uh, the salary is important. The benefits, so obviously holiday pay. There's that. Um, there's there's um, uh, obviously uh, when best coworkers in the world. When, <laughs> When you when you when you you get sick pay when you're ill, obviously you just get money anyway. Which is that's, I always yeah, thought that was good. really good. That was cool. Uh, seeing films for free. That's seeing films good. free. Uh, uh, pension contributions being matched by the company. That was always quite a nice thing. And sorry, Helen, what was it you said? I didn't. I was just coughing. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, and also, um, there's there's an amazing. Uh, team of brilliantly creative people that I work. work with and and I think probably virtually every day have made me laugh in one form or shape or another usually at Chris uh, is is rather than with him but occasionally he does actually say something quite amusing and um uh, yeah, it's it's you know when kind of when you when you interview film stars about making movies or like they're you're at the end of this franchise and well, how does it feel and they usually go oh it's such like a family and then da, 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 and you're just like yeah I've heard that so many times but it is kind of a bit of a family kind of an atmosphere uh, uh, you know when you work with the same people for so long so um, I think you know that's going to feel like a wrench uh, when I do finally step away from the office for the final time. Nah, you'll be all right. Uh, at Cat Brown formerly of this parish Ooh. asks Dan talk of your VG banned words list and uh, what's the worst word crime a writer has committed on your watch crikey oh well that's a bit cruel um, no actually I, I, I kind of I did when I was reviews editor before I was features editor many 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 years ago um, I did draw up a list of, of words that, and words or phrases that should not appear in reviews which I think still stands in many ways although yep. there have been new ones since interestingly sure. enough 
Um, but it would be things like the obvious ones, like you do not describe something as a roller coaster ride because just horrific cliche. Gem, I was 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 a word I always hated. Mm-hmm. You know, when the sort of people would say an overlooked gem or this or that. And it's not so much that they're inherently terrible words; it's just that after a certain amount of time, you, you, it feels like lazy writing. You banned Star um, Wars, which I thought was really restrictive. Um, only when the comparison. words are used separately. <laughs> Um, something on acid, maybe. Um, no, hang on. There was, there was. Uh, I, I think like more recent ones is you would say the the, the Avengers of or the something something Avengers. You know what I mean? Mm. As, a, as a comparison point, but um, hang on, I've just compared us to the Avengers in this very podcast. Yeah, exactly. Unfavorably, I might add. Yeah. Um, so so yes, yeah, so I used to have this 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 list of words and, and bless Cat for for remembering it. I hope it wasn't because she used one of them and I had to go at her for it. Um, possibly it was. Um, and what was the second part of the question? I can't remember. Oh, what was the, what was the, the worst was, word crime? The on worst your watch. word crime on my watch. Oh crikey! Um, I can't honestly think of one. Sorry, because you know, obviously, the people that write for Empire are usually so amazing. We're, we're was so it good. was it when you wrote "Smell It with Your Eyes" as a joke? Uh, and, know, I, actually, and I put it is, through. <laughs> <laughs> that, do you know what? Yeah, I'm going to blame this. That's a great one. Yeah, smell it with your eyes. My own writing. I don't know how it happened. For perfume. For perfume. So the film perfume, which I gave four stars to. But the worst thing about that was that when the review, because when you know when the the people publicising the film and they're making the posters, they they see our reviews and they're like, oh, well, we'll take a quote from it. And I didn't know this was going to happen, but then the poster came out and it had smell it with your eyes written on it. And I was just like, what? That's the worst thing I've ever written. And and I I don't know. It was just a brain fart. I don't know. (laughs) To this day, I look back and I don't know what the hell I was thinking. Maybe I, maybe I, you know, maybe I was on acid. (gasps) On a roller coaster. I was on a roller coaster, acid fueled roller coaster ride of adrenaline. Don't do it, kids. What a gem. Uh, At Anno Dracula, a.k.a. Kim Newman of this parish, says, With so many new job opportunities in Britain, which major political party leadership should Dan Jolin contest? Um, Green Party. Fair enough. Because because they seem nice. Don't they, though? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'd kind of... I'd maybe I'd make them a bit more um, uh, evil uh, so that they could actually, you know, get more votes. That, that escalated quickly. I'll be honest. I did not expect that. It's a bit like my plan to become manager of Manchester United and then mm. sell out our best players and sell the ground and the training ground mm. to Asda. Yeah. No, I'm I mean, not I very th- close to achieving it. <laughs> to be honest, I think the best the best thing generally would be uh, my uh, liberal dictatorship. <laughs> oh God! You and James both think that if you were dictators of the world, that, that things would be better. Mm. I, well, it's hard well. to disagree. Uh, at at underscore Spurs asks, does Dan know his name is an anagram of Old Ninja? And how does this make him feel? You, I, I've actually never actually sat down and tried to do anagrams of my own name. Um, so I'm really, really glad that that is an anagram of my name. But to be honest, I feel more like a young Ronin. Right. Yeah? Yeah. Masterless samurai. No, I know out, what a Ronin you know? yeah. yeah. And I say young because, you know, I'm only, you know, still in my early 40s very early like I'm, I'm, I'm 41 yeah okay <laughs> alright I believe you don't um, Ollie Thomas at Ollie 2033 asks neither of their mothers are called Martha make a better ending to Batman versus Superman go 
Batman looks into Superman's eyes. Superman looks into Batman's eyes. Something happens. They kiss. It's electric. They come together. Their lips locked. Their jaws move. Their cheeks oh, this twitch. Is wrong. Yes. I think we should move away from Next Dan's question. slash fiction. Batman. No. <laughs> God damn you, Dan. Mm. At Ollie Richards uh, of this parish asks, do you still have the little hat you were obliged to wear any time you wanted to talk about World of Warcraft? Somewhere, I think. I think I think it's probably at the bottom of my my children's dressing up box. I wish he'd had to wear it. You'd be every single morning. Uh, Dan would come in, and he and James would have a half-hour conversation about storming the Scarlet Monastery or something. It was unbelievable. Well, well, well I'm remembered. still not sure they were talking about World of Warcraft. <laughs> um, Mr. Nugent, John Nugent of this parish, uh, we will get to people who aren't of this parish, and we know we got to go very quickly. What's the best worst joke or pun you've ever managed to get published in the mag? Oh crikey! I mean, there've been so many. I mean, there have been so many. Uh, I, honestly, it's, it's you know, it's 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 been twelve years and it's been twelve issues a year, and so you know, ooh. Can you do the 12 times 12 table? It's a gross 144. I am. And within that are so many bad puns and so many amazing ones. So I, cu- I couldn't highlight. I think, I think one of, uh, one of the, my favourite things I've, 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 I've ever come up with was when um, Bowling for Columbine won the, uh, won the Palm Door. And uh, although that's possibly before I started at Empire. I'm trying to remember. But anyway, whatever. The headline was Shock and Door. Um, okay. No, no, hang on. It was about Fahrenheit 9-11. When Fahrenheit 9-11... Was that right? Was it Fahrenheit 9-11 when the palm door? Anyway, there you go. I'm an, I'm a, I'm an old ninja with bad memories. So, so, so screw it. What's Last next? question. Lenny, UK DJ. Sorry for not getting around to all your questions, but uh, we are being literally kicked out of the booth. Yeah. Um, uh, Lenny, UK DJ, asks, and we'll end on a high. Has there been any personal moment during your time at Empire where you've wanted to crawl into a ball and die? <laughs> Oh, not really. Not really, because I'm not that emotional. Okay. Not really. But, you know, it's been an amazing time. I mean, you know, I got to, I got to see the, 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 the rise of, of Christopher Nolan as, a, as, as an amazing filmmaker. I got to see the return of Star Wars. You know, I've, uh, I've got to see the Marvel Studios phenomenon happen. Um, you know, and it's, 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 a been, it's absolutely amazing to be kind of, you know, in the front row when, when all, these, all these brilliant things go on. So, uh, so let's actually end it on a high and say, yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, been, high, it's, it's been a great decade to be here. And let's point out, of course, this probably won't be the last time Dan's in the podcast. Um, he will be popping in from time to time, I'm sure. Um, Helen, of course, kind of officially left Empire. I've left Empire in the past, uh, and we're still here. So people get dragged in, not least because there's two entrances to the pod booth, and it's very, very mm. hard to block both of them at the same yeah, time. So it really is. Dan will be back in the podcast. Um, on a personal note, I want to say that it's been a, a pleasure working with you. I first met you uh, when you were working for the Terrifying Foes, the other film magazine in the UK, uh, on one of my on my very very first set visit, twenty four hour party people. And, yeah, uh, good times. Uh, and uh, we we clicked right away. I think it's fair to say we met again at X Men too, and you know, and then you came to work for Empire, and it's just been it's been a pleasure. Twelve years, my god, my god. Yeah, you're taking. You know, you're taking stock of your life and your career, and you're making you're making changes. And and my God, and you're still my here, God, remember? I'm still here. My God, <laughs> what am I doing with my life? Anyway, uh, it, it's been it's been amazing. You're 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 uh, an incredible guy, an incredible writer, and it's been a joy working with you. Amazing, thanks, uh, man. Thank you, uh, Helen. Anything to thanks, say? Helen. This twat before he goes. Ah, uh, well, you know, no. It, I, <laughs> <laughs> 
of course, we're, I think we're all going to miss Dan. He's been a, a mainstay for nearly as long That's as I've Dan. been here. Okay. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And uh, and it's been an absolute pleasure. But we'll see him all the time anyway. So I don't we feel will. like this is goodbye. I feel like it's uh, laters. Yeah. yeah. You know when yeah. you get rid of gout and then it comes back? Yeah. It's a bit like that. Yeah. Uh, okay. And that is it from the Empire Podcast uh, for this week. Uh, join us next week when we'll be joined by the Highlander himself, Christopher Lombert. And just to prove that Dan isn't buggering off anywhere soon, he did the interview. So I did. hearing Dan next week as well. Until then, it is goodbye from Helen. Tiddly. It's goodbye from Dan. Farewell, my friends. Uh, and it's goodbye from me. I'm off for a good old manly cry while clutching Dan's purple banana holder. Not a euphemism. He genuinely does have one. Uh, see you next week. Bye. Bye.